Bilingual in America. Tunei el loga fi America. Bilinguismo negli Stati Uniti. Bilingue in America. Ser bilingue en America. I'm Suzanne Hi, I'm Yarina Sancion. As we near the end of the year 2021, we take some time to celebrate the multicultural influences of language and family in music and art as we speak with our artistic educators. In their roles as teachers, they leave an impact and hope to create a legacy of love and identity. Music teacher Alyssa Mendez, of Portuguese and Dominican descent, shares how her family, culture, and past teachers have influenced her passion for multicultural music and how she shares that with her students with the commitment of creating a lasting impact for a greater good. Let's listen in as she speaks with me, Yarina Sencion. So I'd like to welcome Alyssa Mendez to Bilingual in America. Thank, thank you, Yarina, for having me. No, no, please, thank you. It's such a pleasure to, to talk to people about what they do and why they do it. And um, so, Alyssa, I know you've been a music teacher in a public school. Um, I always like to give our listeners a little context. If you could just share a little bit about your own heritage and background. Or... Okay. Yeah, of course. So I am... Uh, if you want to get technical, I'm 75% Portuguese. My dad was born in Portugal. He's 100%. Um, and he came to America when he was like four or five years old. But my mom was born here to a Dominican mother and a Portuguese father. So I'm 75% Portuguese and then a 25% Dominican. So, and just so proud to be who I am. I'm very proud to be Portuguese. I know a lot about Portugal. I go every other year. Well, before COVID, I was going every other year to see family. I've worked on my Portuguese even more. When I go over there, I start to talk more with people and it feels good to be a part of a culture that I know the language and I know the foods and a lot of things about the culture. And that's why like with my Dominican culture, I wish I knew more. So being only 25%, um, just having one grandmother of Dominican heritage, I actually don't know very much about that culture and I feel like I'm missing a part of me because I don't know so much. So that's why sometimes like with my Dominican colleagues I ask questions like, do you know this place? Like she's told me my grandmother where she's from in the DR. She says she's from El Cibao and then I was told like that's like this bigger area of Santiago because she always mentioned Santiago too. Mm-hmm but also like San Jose de las Matas, she says she's from, which was like farm country. So she really just shared that with me. It seems like she had a really sheltered life on the farm. So she hasn't really shared much about Dominican culture with me. And I really love to know more about that part of me. So growing up, I really only knew mostly about my Portuguese heritage. And I'm very, very proud to be Portuguese. And I wish more people knew about Portugal and like where it is and what the language is. It's, uh, it's great that I'm sharing this with you today because I'd love to get the word out about that heritage a little bit more. Yeah, so, you know, I, I appreciate what you're saying. I, I certainly have had a handful of uh, Portuguese students, and it's, 
there's always such beauty that they bring to our community so absolutely and it's never too late to learn more right about oh, yeah. our heritage and, and I appreciate you being really transparent about wanting to know more because there's nothing wrong with saying I don't know so much about this and I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to explore so all that's really beautiful yeah thank you well you're a music teacher mm -hmm. so what inspired you to be a music teacher so it's actually my Portuguese heritage really inspired me to pursue a career in music not just because my family's already very musical my mother's father was in a rancho which is a Portuguese band and he played all these different instruments and my mom actually <laughs> she's she'd get a, a little annoyed if I told the public this but she plays the accordion and she plays it really well and that's an instrument that she was taught growing up because it's such a big part of her culture and even like some of my friends growing up they played the accordion too I never got to learn it's such a cool instrument she should be very proud of that I think but it's such a cool instrument so like my mom plays that my dad doodled on some instruments too growing up but my grandmother his mother she sang a lot and whenever I would hear my grandmother sing it would just make me feel like there were no worries in the world. I would just sit there and listen to her sing. And I get emotional because she passed away when I was in high school. And it's because of her that I pursued a singing career in high school. So I was in an orchestra when I was in elementary school and middle school. And then when I got to high school, I decided I wanted to sing because of her. So I joined, um, I, was, I grew up in Nourishelle. So at Nourishelle High School, we had what was called the PAVE program. And I joined the paid vocal program. And I was a soprano for all four years. I sang the highest you could sing. And I learned so much singing there. And I want to thank my grandmother in heaven just for inspiring me to join that program because that program changed my life. It really changed my life. And in that program, I learned about so many different styles of music. I learned about so, because Nourishell is already a huge school, a huge city, and there were so many people from all over the world in that school. I had friends from all over the world. And it was great because in the PAVE program and in the chorus, there were kids that would bring in their own music. And even my teacher, Mr. James, he brought in his own music from where he was from. So he brought to us what he called the Renaissance Choir, which was a black gospel choir. And I never sang black gospel music before. And so I joined because he said I, my voice was already so powerful and it's, it was great and it could really mesh well with the Renaissance gospel choir. So I did that and that really opened up my eyes to another type of music that I never knew before where I could really express myself and sing with people from different backgrounds. You know, like I was one of the few white Hispanic girls in the group and it was really nice to just be a part of a group well, I, where I didn't feel different. Everybody just sang and we would travel around Nourishell and sing for different, uh, we sang at an old folks home, we sang at a Christmas tree lighting one year. It was a really, really great experience being a part of that group and just singing different, a different style of music that I've never sung before. Mm -hmm. You know, from what you're sharing, it sounds like you grew up in a very rich, diverse environment, and all those experiences impacted your musical experience. They really did, yeah. And how yeah. you grow. So now, 
that was as students, but now you're a teacher, right? Yeah. So what do you think is one of the most impactful multicultural or multilingual experiences you've had as a music teacher like as now that you're you're sitting in Mr. James's seat now right <laughs> yeah and it's crazy to think about that because like he was he was like everything to us he was everything we aspired to be and I can't believe I'm actually teaching music and not just teaching music but inspiring students like he did and I love that I can share all these different things with kids in music class and they respond to it in such a positive way. There were only like a couple of instances where students didn't respond so positively. So for Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month, I shared a song that was in a different language. I believe it was in, a, in Chinese. It was in a Chinese language. It was Cantonese. And a couple of the students started making fun of the song and when I see something like that when someone is acting in a way where they're degrading another culture we always stop and have a conversation because it's so important to know that there may be somebody that you meet one day that is Chinese for example and if you do this in front of them it could really hurt them and hurt their feelings so and their music is beautiful and we want to respect this music like they would respect ours, you know? So it's a mutual respect. And we're listening for the beauty in the music because there's so much beauty in it. So it's just, it's a, it can be a hard conversation to have, you know, especially with the younger students. Some of them still don't get it. They don't understand what, you know, what is respectful, but a lot of them do. And I see that more and more each year that the kids are really becoming more respectful towards things that are different. And we talk about that too, like even though it's different, it's okay that it's different. It makes us feel a little weird, right? Because we've never heard it before. It might sound funny to us, but respect it and listen to it because there's so much beauty in it. There's so much beauty in all of these different styles of music that we're not used to, right. you know? So, you know, I think what you're saying is so important because children are young and impressionable and anything that sounds different or is different, we're going to react to. Right. It's so important that in your very gentle way, you redirect their attention to like what's important. Yeah. And that at the end of the day, really, we're more the same than we are different when we look at at people and we look at humanity right. and um, and I appreciate the work that you do with youngsters so thank you for that. Well, I love being here this is the best place to be we have the best kids this really is the best place to be yeah and that work is important everywhere right like that's not unique to this community that that happens in all communities oh so yeah yeah. And it's the culture of the school too. Like I feel like in any school that I worked in, if the culture was strong and, you know, accepting of different things and like just compassionate towards others, you notice that in the students. You notice that. And that's why I'm saying like here, I'm noticing it more and more every year. The students are becoming more compassionate and empathetic and it's something that I strive to teach in this class as well. Our hashtag is speak your beauty and you said the word beauty a couple of times in your share just now I, I'd like to ask you how else I, do you speak your beauty I can see that you speak your beauty definitely your craft 
but I'm sure that there must be other ways that you speak your beauty. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just so proud to be who I am. You know, Portuguese, Dominican, American, you know, from Nourishelle. I am just proud to be who I am. And I love expressing that to people. And I love sharing, especially with my students, who I am. And I feel like when I share who I am, they are so much more comfortable sharing about who they are. And when we share more about who we are, then we become a stronger community. And we can explore more things with each other, like just based off of our own interests and for where we're from and things like that. Like a lot of things that I do in my class is because of my students. It's from what they've shared with me. So that is so beautiful to me. So my beauty, honestly, is my, my career and my students and my family, like everything in my life. I'm so proud of everything in my life. Um, and I feel like that all stems from my culture, you know, where I'm from, who I am. It's really influenced how my life has become. Um, well, thank you for speaking your beauty. Thank you for being bold and sharing everything about you with your students, with your community. You know, there's no greater gift that we can give to just be ourselves, you know, and be all of ourselves yeah. in every aspect. So yeah. thank you for this time, Alyssa. Thank and, you, Yadina. Uh, and happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank you. Ana Rebecca Castillo is an emergent visual artist and an experienced art teacher. In her craft, she sees opportunities to grow resilience and to create open communication about humanity, nature, mental health, and otherness. She has exhibited her work abroad and nationally. Let's listen in as she shares her experience with co-host Suzanne Lasser. Anna Castillo, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here this afternoon to talk with our listeners and share a little bit about your bilingual bicultural journey. So welcome to Bilingual in America. Thank you, Suzanne. I'm, I'm so honored to be here. I'm excited for our conversation. Let's let our listeners hear a little bit about you. So why don't you start off? And you can definitely let us know who is Ana Castillo and what is your bilingual bicultural journey all about? Okay, so I was born in the Dominican Republic and I lived there until I was an adult. My identity as a Dominican, as a Caribbean person is very, was very set before I came to this country. But it's really interesting because I feel like I don't necessarily feel like I'm, I'm Dominican-American because that is definitely a different culture than just Dominican. Because when, you know, when people migrate to a place, they create new and improved and, you know, a mix or of, of different costumbres and a mix of different, of, of different celebrations according to who they're around. So when I came to this country, I was a little shocked because I was like, wait, so I know I'm Dominican and I grew up there, but I don't really, I can't connect easily with people that are Dominican American. And that was a big part of that dissonance that it took me a long time. And it's not because I felt one was above the other, 
well, more like I wasn't expecting the difference. And it's so beautiful how our communities have had to migrate and have had to be, some of them have been taken from one place to the next and they've made yeah. the best out of it and created new culture and more culture and different traditions and all of that. But yeah, so I was born in the Dominican Republic. I grew up in Santo Domingo, which is the capital. So it's, you know, it's a city. I've always, since I was a kid, been into art. And even when I was a kid, I really loved the water. I used to be the kid during the summer that I was in the pool since it, since it opened in the morning until it was closed at 5 p.m. <laughs> I was a little fish. Okay. And I feel like the water, you know, living in a place like an island that's surrounded by water, water is so important. You know, I don't think I've ever lived anywhere, and I've lived a couple places where there hasn't been a body of water nearby. Mm. And I don't know what that means, but I think it's interesting. That um, is, especially that it calls you, right? There's this calling for it. Yeah. And so as you're talking, right, you know, your handle is at Peces Con Mar. I think I'm understanding a little bit about that, but, but tell us, right? I came up with this handle, like maybe, I want to say maybe six or seven years ago when I was working as a teacher in New York City in the middle school and my students were Googling me all the time. And I was like, oh no, like I need to find <laughs> an alter ego <laughs> to be able to do my art and not have the kids always show me, oh, look, look what I found. Is this yours? Right. You make it? Not because I'm doing anything wrong, but more like sometimes you need a little bit of separation some sort of boundary, especially with students. So I ended up making up Peces Con Mar, which, you know, like I love fish. I have a tattoo of fishes. It's another symbol in my life that I see often and that is important to me. And when I was looking into it, it's talking about how fish are always in a community. They are part of a community. Mm. They work in a community. They thrive in a community but also that fish are very resilient. And I felt identified with that and how they can travel from one body of water to the next with their group, you know, with their okay. school of fish. But they're, even though there's change, they're always trying to work together. That's how it came about. And I thought it would be, it would be fun to just, instead of say, mar con peces, to write Peces Con Mar. I didn't think it would stick, but it did. There's people that only know me by that and do not know my legal name, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, it's your, uh, that that's the other side of you, right? It's one of your, your many personas. Yeah. I, I just want to share with everybody that besides being a Spanish zone, dual language teacher in an elementary school, Ana is also a graphic artist and she is the creative genius behind our revamped new look for our logo on Bilingual in America. So we're uh, excited to, to have her here and participating in yet another way on the podcast. So Anna, in your work as a graphic artist, how do you feel that culture influences what you do? You know, if I try to find a trend with my work, I had an exhibition about three and a half years ago, a solo exhibition. And 
it kind of had two parts. So one part was more of nature and the other part was more of like faces. I feel like I am drawn to elements of nature, mostly by water, water, fishes, like I don't know how many different fishes in many, in, in quantas maneras I've drawn, painted, made, sculpted, like it's just and a constant symbol. And it's interesting to think about because it's always there. And water too is always there. But also faces, there's something about expressions, about, about just seeing a face and with no other context, you get a feeling from it. And I feel like I wanted to draw and, or paint people that look like me because I didn't always see that and I never saw that growing up because even growing up in Latin America media right. is uber white just turn on Telemundo <laughs> you know like everything okay. is super manicured so that only a certain group of people are what you see right so yeah. for me it was important to just explore that just to kind of in a way to heal myself and to put that out there for others to see, you know, that we are here, we are still here. And, you know, we carry so much within us, all of us carry so much within us. And we are sending so many messages, even if we don't say a word. Yeah, I think that you're using your, your talent for the greater good. You are helping others to potentially see themselves in your artwork in a way that you did not see yourself. You are helping I think your students to see the different sides of you, whether it's having migrated to the US or with your, you know, Dominican roots. And the fact that you are giving people pause to what they're doing and what is accepted or thought about in terms of um, when we think of Dominicanos. Yeah. So I'm wondering about what it must be like to be a fourth grader in your classroom and do you see that this duality, right, of your work as a graphic artist and your work as an educator influencing one another, right? Do you see it showing up in, you know, your alter ego of Peces con Mar? And do you see it showing up in your work as Senora Castillo? I definitely see it. And sometimes I don't see it, but I think it's always there. I try, even sometimes without even noticing, to give students choice and to give students way of expressing what they learned or how they feel in different ways that it doesn't always have to be tech. First of all, when you come into my classroom, it's really colorful. <laughs> There's always a lot of colors. There's a lot of sometimes images or text and it might look a little busy. So it is what it is. I have a wall where I have all my students artwork that they give to me. So it's like something that I showcase their, their talent. A lot of them are drawings of me, which I love because they are super great. But also I feel like just giving students an opening to find different ways of expressing what they learn, which is what you do in school. I feel like sometimes as teachers, we are too married of what we're supposed to ask the, the, the students to do, but they have so much inside of them. And I want to be the teacher that I didn't have. I want to be the person who's like, okay, so you want to write this text as a comic book? Let's figure it out together. Let's do it. 
You want to write this summary about a book and then draw a picture below it? Beautiful. Let's do it. You know, I want to be that teacher who's allowing the students to express themselves and use their strengths to showcase what they know and who they are and who they want to be. I feel like as, as kids, they have a lot of pressure um, on their shoulders. And sometimes they feel like when they come to school, they want to do a good job, but they may not feel like they fit into the image of what a good student is. But we have amazing students that may not fit inside that mold, but they are here with us. So I, I like to find ways to celebrate them. That's beautiful, right? Understanding that it shouldn't be that there's a cookie cutter experience for what a good child looks like and that you are finding and giving them access to talents that they may not even know that they have, but that they're willing to take a risk and explore with you because of the support that you give them, whether it's in terms of mastering their home language or learning a second language or even um, you know, as budding young artists. Anna, the, the year is about to end and we are getting ready to embrace 2022. Talk to me, what is something that you're looking forward to in terms of any of your art projects, any collaborations? What are your hopes for Peces Comar as we get ready to close out 2021 and bring in 2022? I'm hoping to get back into a creative routine. I feel like the pandemic was really rough on me and it was really hard to let myself be in that creative space for a long time. You know, I've dabbled and I've done little things here and there, but it's been really hard. You know, I think we all try to move forward and do what we need to do. But like when you said, when you wear so many hats, sometimes you have to put certain hats on the side and be like, okay, I'll come back to you later. So that's where I am right now. You can always find me uh, at Pensas Con Mar on Twitter, Instagram. I also have a store on Etsy. That's also Pensas Con Mar. I'm, I'm out there. You can find me. Come say hello. Support your local artists. Absolutely. And uh, I want to thank you for giving us a fresh new look, you know, our second season. And um, I can't wait until we're ready for season three to see what you're going to do uh, to, to jazz it up and, and help Bilingual in America continue their work. So here on Bilingual in America, we always say, speak your beauty. And Ana Castillo, whether you are in the classroom leading students or you are facilitating an art event or you're having a solo exhibition, Especies Con Mar, we salute you and celebrate all that you are. So thank you. Thank you guys for inviting me. It was, it was very lovely. As artists, whether it's musical or graphic, these teachers strive to have their students see themselves for who they want the world to see them as. Self-expressed, authentic individuals. As we bid adieu to 2021, may we live more like our guest artists by embracing our strengths, sharing the talent within us, and speaking a legacy of beauty. Here's to 2022. Make it beautiful. Thank you for your interest in the stories we share. 
by sharing, following, and liking our podcast on anchor.fm Bilingual in America and our Instagram blog at bilingualinamerica.podcast. You are speaking your beauty. We welcome your comments and feedback. Follow us, like us, share us.